Is this yours, Dan? This thing about uh, we we ask a question while we were singing that song, and it's actually a very good question. Why should we gain from his reward? And it says, I can't give an answer. But this I know with all my heart, that his wounds have paid my ransom, and his wounds have paid your ransom. And that was a thank you, Cameron, for, for leading that song and just reflecting again of the Easter weekend and this morning we're we're, we're just going to I'm, I'm going to use some of the Easter story again just this morning and, and bring it into uh, communion and that's why we're just going to keep that up on the screen there this morning as well we sang this song but I will boast in Jesus Christ but I will boast in Jesus Christ his death and his resurrection he's risen he's not dead anymore he's alive He's risen, so we're, and we're going to look at some of that story as well this morning. I'm excited about looking at that story, but we'll get there just in a little bit. Let's have our announcements and stuff first, the offering first as well. Daniel, if you want to get ready for that, uh, the offerings for the general funds. So we'll pass that, go over several announcements, and then we'll roll into the, uh, the message and uh, communion service as well. So thank you for worshiping this morning and just... Voicing, at least I heard voices, and hopefully it came from your heart of just connecting to God. The holiness of God. We sang the one song that we talked about holiness, recognizing a holy God. He's worthy of our worship, He's worthy of our praise. Yes, He did a lot, He went through a lot, and we uh, reflected on that last Sunday, but I hope it's not just an Easter thing when we think about that. We're going to talk about it again this morning a little bit. So uh, we're going to pass the offering. The offering's for the building fund. We'll have a word of prayer for that, and then we'll have several announcements, and we'll keep rolling this morning. Father, this morning, thank you that you're risen. Thank you that you're alive. You are no longer dead, uh, like Cameron said, and we can serve a risen Savior. And so, Lord, I want to thank you for the power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead out of the tomb. The tomb is now empty. And you're alive, and you sent your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, thank you for life. Thank you that you are risen. And this morning as a church, we want to honor you and bless you as the risen King of kings and Lord of lords. We bless you. And, Lord, thank you that you want to have a relationship with us. And that's some of the reason you came, is that we can have a personal relationship with you. Uh, and we can serve a risen Savior, someone who's alive, active. Um, so we bless you this morning, Lord. I pray that as we give toward the building fund, I'm sorry, the general fund, a blessing on the gift and giver. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so thank you for your offering this morning. It's for the uh, general fund this morning. Uh, just several announcements. Uh, Wednesday evening, I posted out there, Wednesday evening we're having a work night here. Uh, we want to do some cleanup and stuff, and I know some of you had uh, replied. A few of you had replied, uh, and so are there? So is there someone here this morning that didn't reply that's going to be here? Uh, I know we have we have several. We're gonna we're gonna do as much as we have uh, manpower for. Uh, I think Lauren's coming, Keith is coming, uh, Daniel, John. Uh, I know Derek and Shawnee are coming. I'll be here, Steve. Okay, so 
Uh, we're going to have a list of stuff to do. Uh, I, I did put it out on email, but a lot of it is, is clean up. Uh, we want to mulch, blow. There's ruts out on the end of the driveway there on the left. We want to fix that up once. Uh, and uh, there's gutter guard to put up. Uh, there's spouting to be repaired down at the house. Uh, and the, the little barn, we want to re-shingle. I don't know if we'll tackle that or not. Well, I may talk to you, Ernie, if we want to tackle that. We'll see. Uh, but uh, that little shed right by the dumpster, we want to we wanna re-shingle as well. So there's going to be quite a bit to do. And uh, so if you want to come, uh, that would be great. We'll figure out 6 o'clock being here uh, If uh, for those of you that can make it. And if you want to bring... Uh, some more help. I know boys can help a lot. If you want to bring them along, uh, go for it. I was actually very surprised. Uh, it's amazing what young boys can do. Very amazing. Yesterday, uh, we were blessed by having uh, the program called Fathers in the Field. Does anyone does there, anyone know what that is? You know what that is? A few of you. Um, I, I learned about it last year. I went to their banquet. It's called Fathers in the Field. It's a program to where fathers will take boys that don't have fathers and be a father to them. It's a mentorship program. And it's not, it's, it's I think, I don't know if it's national, but I know it's a number of states, at least in the East Coast. And so they have fathers that will take on um, fatherless boys and be a father to them. And they do so many projects per month. And they wanted to do uh, a work project. They wanted to do, uh, they were wondering if they can mulch somehow or mulch someone's property. And so through my parents, uh, they came to our house yesterday morning. So we had two fathers and four boys. And me and our children. And it was amazing. We put on 16 yards of mulch in two hours. But what I, the reason I say that was these boys were, I think, 8 to 11. And they worked like adults. And so young children have lots of potential. Uh, and so if you guys want to come along, come along. But it is amazing. Uh, it was amazing to me to see how they worked. Uh, young children, there's a lot of talent, a lot of energy, a lot of effort that they can put forth and they can get stuff done. And so I know we have a lot of 8 to 11-year-olds here as well. Uh, you are very important, uh, not only to your family, but to society. You can help other people uh, as well in, in lots of ways. So, all right, any birthdays this week? We're going to keep rolling here. It's Alyssa, your birthday is today. Are you four, five? Oh, my, awesome. All right, we're going to sing... Uh, happy birthday to Alyssa. Any other birthdays coming up this week? All right. Let's sing happy birthday to Alyssa. Oh, yes. No, Zara's birthday is next Sunday. We'll get maybe next Sunday is her birthday. So we'll sing for Alyssa uh, today. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Alyssa. All right. Happy birthday, Alyssa. Hope you have a really good day. All right. I have three different illustrations up here. I have a cup and a plate and uh, 
bag, just a little Ziploc bag. And these three all have something in common. Uh, and you're going to learn probably in a, a little bit later what they all have in common because we're actually going to look at a Bible story that has something in common with those three things uh, as well. And so last weekend, obviously, was Easter weekend. Uh, we weren't here, but we, were, we had a good service where we were at. But just reflecting on Easter, right? You, you, Jesus uh, goes through trial, ends up at the cross. He dies. They take his body off the cross, and they wrap it up, and they put it in a tomb, and they put this large stone in front of it. They place a seal on it. They place guards there. And then we know resurrection morning, the stone gets moved. Jesus rises from the dead. Uh, the guards uh, shake with fear. And we have that story. And that's what we're going to look at a little, that, that tail end of the story uh, this morning. It's interesting, though, just thinking of that, looking at the story of what they did with Jesus' body, like the guards and the people's idea to place the guards there, like that wasn't from his disciples. You know, that was, I'm guessing the Pharisees, Sadducees, someone would like, hey, wait a second. Uh, he said that when he dies, he's going to rise again. Uh so we're going to guard this tomb to make sure that it doesn't happen. I'm guessing that's where it came from. I don't know for sure, but it's interesting to me to see what the disciples, how the disciples walk through this, but also how other people general, in general uh, walk through this. And they remembered that he said he's going to rise again. They're like, we're going to do all that we can that he doesn't. I, I'm guessing that's where it came from. But we're going to look at the story in John chapter 20. You can turn to John chapter 20. We're going to read that, and then we're going to uh, dive into that and see what we can learn uh, this morning and tie it uh, into communion. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 15. We know all four Gospels share this story, but I'm going to read it out of uh, the Gospel of John this morning. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week... Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. Then she ran, came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciples and were going to the tomb. They both ran together. The other disciple outran Peter, came to the tomb first, and he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, but he didn't go in. And here comes Peter, trudging up behind him. And Peter comes and barrels right in, follows him, went into the tomb, and he saw linen clothes lying there. And he saw a handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded in the place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away to their own homes. Verse 11, here's the story we're going to uh, look at here this morning. Verse 11, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. 
And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they laid him. Now when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? She, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples what she had seen, that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things to her. So, this is, we, we're, we're familiar with this story. The story, if you read the, the different Gospels, they all word it a little bit, but the, the main uh, part comes through. But this story here, we have uh, in, the, in verse 1, it says on the first day of the week, we have Mary Magdalene. Uh, if you look at some other scriptures, it says who it's, it was Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary, the mother of James, and then Salome. I think Mark puts in Salome there as well. So it was at least three women came to the tomb with spices, expecting to find a body. Because they had just, they had seen Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Jesus had been their friend, their brother. They lived life with Jesus. He was the one that they thought was going to be their Savior. He was their Savior. But for them, they lived with this guy. They experienced miracles. Mary, this was the guy that raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. They knew this guy well. And they watched him being crucified on a cross. Someone that they knew well. This, is, this was deep for them. They watched him die. And then they watched him being put in a tomb. So from their perspective, everything was gone. What they knew, the relationship they had with this guy, with Jesus, was gone because he's now dead. He's no longer here. And so in this difficult, grieving process, they get they gather some spices and they're walking to the tomb and they're expecting to find a body. And as they get there, first of all, they recognize, wait a second, this stone is moved. Somebody moved the stone. And as they get closer, the stone is moved. There's a hole there that you can see into the tomb. And they look into the tomb, and his body isn't there. They didn't expect that. It was empty. 
with the exception of the two angels that were in there. And we see as they looked in, they see two angels. And these angels start speaking to them. So they're standing here at the tomb. And the angels ask them a question. In verse 13, they said unto her, <laughs> excuse me, this was Mary. She's weeping and rightly so. She just lost everything that she knew. She lost her best friend. She lost Jesus. And she's weeping. And the angels ask them a question. They say, why are you weeping? I mean, what a question. Okay, think about it a little bit. If one of your best friends will be dying and you're weeping and someone asks you, why are you weeping? I mean, isn't that like a kind of a rude question? But that's what they ask. So why are you weeping? In her mind, he's still dead. And she says, because they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they have put him. So in this state of shock, grieving, I think disbelief, her hopes and her dreams were shattered. And she comes to a tomb and finds that it's empty. There's an empty tomb. And I believe looking at this story here, I think Mary also had an empty heart. I really believe so. She lost Jesus. She was grieving. She was disappointed. And now she comes and can't even find his body. An empty tomb, and I think there was also an empty heart. What she thought was going to bring meaning, what she thought was going to bring satisfaction, led to an emptiness in her heart that nothing else could fill. There's something about a void in our hearts that only Jesus can fill. I have a cup here, I have a plate, and I have a bag. The thing that these have in common is they're all three empty. But none of these were designed to stay empty. They didn't make this cup expecting it to not hold anything. They didn't make that plate and design it to never have anything in it. No, they designed this to be filled with something. Your heart and my heart are designed to be filled with Jesus they are and I think Mary's heart here at this state she had an empty heart it was a difficult 
moment. We sang that song this morning, All My Life You've Been Faithful, All My Life You've Been So Good. I doubt she knew that song, but I also doubt it would have been hard for her to sing that song at that moment. But yet, that's the reality. In those moments, God is still faithful. God is still good. While she was standing beside an empty tomb, going through this, someone was standing right there. Jesus was standing right there. She turns around and she doesn't recognize it's Jesus, but it's who it is. And Jesus, in his personal way, calls her by name and says, Mary. Now, Mary had a choice at that point what to focus on. Do you focus on the empty tomb or do you focus on Jesus? She had that opportunity. We have that opportunity. When we go through, when we're in a situation and life feels empty, we're in a moment of disappointment we're in a moment of maybe weeping. All we see is an empty tomb. Nothing there. And Jesus is standing right here, right beside you. That's what happened with Mary. Empty is a word that normally we don't get too excited about. Something that's empty. You know, if your gas tank's empty, if your water bottle's empty, you know, as a man, you're out working and you're thirsty, you hop in your truck and get your truck. Oh, my cup is empty. You know, it's kind of a frustrating feeling. Uh, but, or cordless tools, I'm a man, right? So you grab your drill and you go to drill something. Oh, it's frustrating when things are empty. Generally speaking, uh, emptiness does not bring on uh, fulfillment. It rather means we have to do uh, extra work. Empty, oftentimes emptiness doesn't get you far. It'll just, doesn't go far if it's empty. But if it's full, it's uh, the opposite. But in this case, in this story, emptiness is an awesome thing because the tomb was empty and Jesus has risen again. If the tomb wouldn't be empty, he wouldn't have risen. So in this story, empty is awesome. Empty is amazing. He's not dead. He's alive and he's risen. And so this morning, as we focus on communion, I want to, we, we do want to focus on his death and resurrection and what he did, absolutely. But that's not all of it. I want us this morning to, to focus also on the empty tomb and how important that was. Because without the empty tomb, there wouldn't have been a resurrection. And so we have the resurrection and we see what Jesus did Jesus talks to her and he calls her by name and he has a conversation with her and she believes that he is risen he is alive and we know some of the story as well from from going on that Jesus is alive of course uh, but he's not there so this is a very powerful moment emptiness in a tomb is powerful when you expect the body to be there and it's not 
It's amazing. And so that's the awesome story of Jesus. An empty tomb equals an amazing, powerful relationship that we can have with Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 14 says this. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. It doesn't mean anything. Now, preaching, I think, can be a number of different things as well. It's not just you coming up front and talking in front of church. Preaching can be teaching. It can be sharing. It can be... um, explaining things it can be your life i think your life is preaching something your life is a constant preaching message to those that are around i really believe it is those people that are watching you you may not be saying it so anything but they're watching you and you're preaching a message but the bible says that if christ wasn't risen your preaching is in vain it's empty Not only is that empty, but it also says your faith is empty. Now, faith is a big thing in the Bible. We see it all throughout Scripture, talking about salvation. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Scripture says that if Christ wouldn't be risen, your faith would even be empty. That's what it says. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is in vain, or our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Verse 17. Sorry, in 1 Corinthians 15, 17. uh, Actually, I'm just going to quick read that, because I want to get a point out of that here as we keep uh, moving here. 1 Corinthians 15. Oops, if I go the right way. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says this, And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Wow. Really? Yep, that's what it means. And that's what it says. If Christ isn't risen, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Before a holy God... Being in sin is a terrible thing. But the Bible makes it clear that without a resurrection, if he wouldn't have re- if, if Christ is not risen, you're still in your empty s- in, in your sins. But because of an empty tomb and the resurrected Lord, we can be forgiven, we can be cleansed, we can be purified and be made holy. So back to verse 14 here. If Christ is not risen, then your preaching is empty. And your faith is empty. So we switch that around a little bit. If Christ is risen, then your witness and your testimony is powerful, is penetrating. It's alive because he's risen. And so that's what I think us as Christians need to walk out. He is risen. And so we do have a testimony to share with others. If Christ is not risen, our faith is in vain, but, that's the, but he is risen, and so we have this power as Christians to go out and be testimonies to the world because of an empty tomb and a risen Savior. An empty tomb and a resurrected Lord leads to a full heart. It does. 
and our hearts this morning, we don't have to look around far at all, I don't think, to see people with empty hearts. And it's amazing what people do to try to fill an empty heart. Whether it's money, success, fame, work, you name it. There's a lot of people try a lot of things to fill their empty heart, and it doesn't work. Only Jesus and the power of his resurrection can you fill your empty heart. We can buy a lot of things, but you can't buy a full heart. Romans 10.9, that if thou confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross, you will be saved. That's not what it says, by the way, if you know that verse. But I want to I get a point here because I, I, I reworded that um, incorrectly on purpose. I'm going to read it again. I think a lot of us probably know this. But Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And I put in there, believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross, you will be saved. That's not accurate. Because I want you to get what it says. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's believing in the power of the resurrection that brings the saving knowledge. I know the, the, the crucifixion, the death, and the crucifixion is very important in Jesus' life, but we cannot forget this other part of the empty tomb and a risen Lord, that he is alive and he rose from the dead. So again, an empty tomb and a resurrected Lord leads to a full heart. John 10.10, 10, Jesus says this, I'm come that they may have life, and you can have it in the most boring, mundane way. That's not what he said either. Unfortunately, that's how some of us live. Jesus says, I'm come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. That's the resurrected Lord that we can have a relationship with. The empty tomb is important because it means that we have a risen Lord and we have a risen Savior. So coming into uh, communion here this morning, we're going to get into the communion service. Do you want to get that stuff ready? And uh, I'm going to read. Uh, we're going to get out of 1 Corinthians 11 this morning. And I know uh, a lot of the other times when we had communion, you know, we'd focus a lot on, on the, the Jesus. Actually, I'm going to read it. But Jesus' life and a body, broken body, and that is all part of it. It is. What he did for you and what he did for me. The difficult, uh, physical, emotional, mental things that he went through for you and for me. And Jesus tells us to remember it. We're going to read it here in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 is where uh, I want to start. And uh, here's what it says in verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. 
And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that's what we want to do here this morning in this communion is remember his broken body. Remember what he did for you and for me. We're all sinners. We need a savior. And Jesus left the glories of heaven, came down to this earth and lived life like me and you. He knows what life is on this earth. He knows what that's like. And then he goes through the trial, the rejection, the being spit on, the scorn, the beatings, the whippings because of his love for you and for me. He went through that and they put him on a cross. An extremely painful way to die on a cross. But that's what he did for you and for me. That's his love for us. But then from the cross, it doesn't stop there. From the cross, his dead body went into a tomb. And in the tomb, he rose again. And the tomb is now empty. And he's alive and risen. It's awesome. But so as we uh, do communion here this morning, I'm going to finish reading here in verse 25. In the same manner also, he took the cup after supper and he said, this is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so as we partake of the cup and the bread this morning, we're going to play a song as well. Um, Just behold the lamb. And and the words talk about uh, remembering. Uh, So in a little bit, I'm going to pray and how we're going to do this. Uh, We have the bread and the juice up here. So I'm going to ask you just to uh, to come up from where you're sitting and uh, get a piece of bread and get a cup. If you want to get one for your spouse, please do. Yeah, the bread, just come and, and tear a piece off. Okay? Uh, unless you want a, a whole piece, I guess you can have a whole piece. I think we probably have enough. Uh, but take as much as you feel comfortable uh, taking uh, this morning. So let's remember the Lord this morning and what he did. The, the, the difficulty, the broken body, the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, but then also the empty tomb and the power that's available to us as Christians because of the resurrection. The power that happened at that resurrection was absolutely amazing. To move a huge stone, there was an earthquake. The guards shook for fear. Making a dead person become alive is extremely powerful. And that power is available to you and to me as Christians. 
And so let's remember Jesus' body, but let's also leave here knowing as Christians the power that's available to us through Jesus Christ because of an empty tomb. Uh, and then after, wow, I didn't think about this. Do you want to still have small groups or should we just, how soon is lunch on? Okay, all right. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have Sunday school after uh, communion here. And uh, so children, you're going to get dismissed, but just hang tight a little bit yet, children. You can be here for the communion service. So let's have a word of prayer as we, as we start in um, this service. Father in heaven, thank you so much for what you did. Father, we're so grateful and undeserving of what you did for us. How great the Father's love for us. How vast beyond our measure. Thank you for that love. And Father, this morning, we talked about the empty tomb. And Lord, I get excited about an empty tomb because that means there's a risen Savior. And so Father, this morning, each one of us here have hearts and they are designed to be filled with something and so father i'm asking this morning that we would fill it with you with jesus christ because i think that's what they're designed to do and so lord i pray that as we reflect on jesus death broken body the blood that was shed the physical pain and torture that went on on the cross for us Lord we want to remember that this morning and so as we partake in communion help us to deeply reflect what you did for us and to be grateful for it thank you that the tomb is empty and you're alive and you're risen so Lord as we take this cup and this bread we want to remember you in Jesus name amen alright just hang tight a little bit Lloyd um, come on up grab some uh, juice and bread and then take it back and sit down and then we will we'll start the song uh, then you can partake about so right now just come up grab it take it back to your seat
And while you're coming up, just to, <coughs> to think about it, this was obviously not how they did it. Uh, Jesus and his disciples uh, were sitting around the table. I don't know if they had chairs or not, but it's possible they were sitting on the floor. Uh, sitting around the table. And Jesus gives them this instruction. Uh, and this is just before Jesus knows what's coming. And they don't know what's coming, but Jesus does. And he says, uh, I, I, I don't want you to forget this. And so, as I'm doing to you, you also do as well. Uh, so, just if you can take your mind back there of how it was for Jesus sitting around with his 12 disciples, his buddies, they were good friends. And this is the last time Jesus is eating with them uh, before his death. I think it was a special moment uh, for Jesus. I know some people can experience uh, a last moment with a loved one. You know, you remember those last words. You remember the last conversation. You remember some of the last memories that you had uh, with, with him or her. And I think Jesus was, was doing that. He was sitting here reflecting and, and knowing that this is the last time that he's going to have supper with them. And so he shares with them bread and drink and says, hey guys, re remember this. Um, and keep, keep doing this. So we are going to give thanks because uh, that's what Jesus did. It says Jesus uh, gave thanks when he did this. We're going to do that. And then we're going to play a song. It's about four minutes long. And I just want you to take this time. This will be your time to, to drink and eat as you see fit and just reflect on, on Jesus' life and really remembering what, what he did for us. Uh, so let's let's have thanks father thank you again for what you did for us on the cross lord as we take this time to reflect intentionally reflect this morning we just want to say thank you and so as we drink um, the drink and take of the bread this morning I pray that we could truly remember you. And we're ju we just want to say thank you. Amen. Go ahead, Lloyd. So we share, so we share.
And everybody said, Amen. Amen. As we share and remember Jesus' uh, death and resurrection.
an empty tomb, and a resurrected Lord is what I want you to leave here this morning, that an empty tomb leads to a resurrected Lord. Uh, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So bless you as uh, you go from here. All right, we're going to have Sunday school. Uh, children, you are uh, dismissed. You guys can go to your classes. Uh, teachers, lunch is going to be right at 12 o'clock. So if you want to uh, maybe wrap it up a little before 12, you know, 11.55 or so, uh, that would be.